the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to cover verses 14 through 22. There are two ways to pervert the truth in the child of God. Two paradigms that are consistently used by the enemy to pervert truth. One of them is legalism. Living according to the law while under grace is still legalism. And the other is license. It says, I am now at liberty to do in my flesh whatever I want to do because Jesus is my life. Neither one of these are true. Both of these are knowing God according to the flesh. Both of these are trying to establish yourself before God by your flesh. The legalist believes that he stands before God in his own righteous doings. And the one who runs in license believes that he stands before God by virtue of his relationship with Christ, but he's free to live like he has no relationship with Christ. Now, both of them are robbed because this life that he gave us is a blessed life. It is a victorious life. It is a rich life. It is a full life. And if I use the the paradigm of legalism to try to carve my own image, to make myself righteous before Him, I live in the chains of idolatry, my own idolatry, religious idolatry, and I pervert the grace of God. If I walk over here and and abandon myself to my flesh, then I live like the lost man, and I'm only saved by virtue of the fact that Christ is my life, but I am not saved daily. You see, we Christians are saved daily, moment by moment. Every time I choose to praise instead of criticize, I just got saved. Every time I chose to pray instead of watch TV, I just got saved. That's not legalism. That's preference. Every time I chose to to pick up the Word of God rather than pick up some novel, I just got saved. Every time I chose to bless somebody instead of cursing somebody, I just got saved. Every time I walked away from, from entrapping sin, I just got saved. 
If we get caught up in the idea that somehow legalism delivers us, then we're chained to legalism and it will fail us. And if we get caught up in the idea that license somehow frees us from the truth that sin punishes sin and consequences happen, then we punish ourselves. Neither way is God's way. Now, Paul is dealing with the issue of spiritual liberty with the Corinthians. And the Corinthians are trying to get Paul, as I've said before, to define spiritual liberty for them. They want to know the parameters. How far can I go? What can I do? How much can I indulge myself without reaping any consequences from God? Now, you can already see that because we called it carnal. And again, I will remind you, you can define carnal as flesh. That's all it is. Anybody ever had carne gasada? Well, that's all it is. It's flesh, right? So anytime that we are, we are approaching our relationship with God from the flesh, what can the flesh do? What can the flesh gain? How can the flesh be promoted? How can I make the flesh righteous? Anytime I do that, I have a carnal relationship. And that's what they were entered into. They were carnal. Paul, tell us what we can do. Tell us what is right and what is wrong so that we can go as far as... Where exactly is the line? So you're telling me I can walk all the way up to here? That's what they wanted. Does that sound like they're seeking the Lord or freedom for the flesh? So Paul, in his letter, he's addressing various issues having to do with liberty. But most... I want you to remember this. Most of the Gentiles, most of that church was made up of Gentiles. And those Gentiles were saved out of idolatry. Now, this is important for you to remember in terms of background. Most of them, now a Gentile is anything other than a Jew. And most of them were Gentiles. They were saved out of idolatry, that is, the worship of pagan gods. They lived in one of the most idolatrous cities of that era. Corinth was a capital of idolatry. Its landscape was littered with temples and idols, and, and they were constantly surrounded by festivals and feasts, and, and wicked revelry was all about them. And they grew up with that. That was a way of life for them. It was normal for the Corinthian. So that was their life. So it must have been very difficult for them to receive truth and then to separate themselves from idolatry. Because I can tell you this, they had more idols around their home than they had furniture. That was just the way they lived. And every meal... In the same way we would bless a meal, they had an idol involved. Everything had an idol. I mean, if you went outside and watered the cattle, then there was an idol that was all about the irrigation and the watering of the cattle. So they lived under the bondage of these many gods. Well, idolatry was a big problem for them. And so this is why Paul's addressing it. Look at verse 14 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, run, keep far, far away from any sort of idolatry. And that includes loving anything more than God. 
or participating, get this, in anything that leads to sin and enslaves the soul. Now, the Amplified really spells it out for you. Idolatry is not just some graven image that people bow down to. We don't have much familiarity with that. But that it is anything that I would love more than God, I would venture to say that it is anything that has a higher priority in my soul than God does. Now, you remember the soul is the mind, will, and emotion. So what you obsess on, what you're continually turning over and over again, the thing that you're taking apart in your mind and putting back together, the Rubik's Cube of your soul, becomes an idol. Because it has a priority over God. Now, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I have issues that come up to me or come on me in my life. And I want immediately to master them with my mind. Well, you know what? The Christian isn't supposed to function that way. The world thinks it's normal. But the reality of it is, for the child of God who derives his life from Christ who lives out of Christ's life, who was literally created for the worship of his God, who's supposed to live in the very paradigm and dynamic and context of that worship, it is not normal, it is abnormal. For us to take a project or a thing or a difficulty or a relationship and obsess on it to the exclusion of allowing God to deal with it is idolatry. So here's what happens. Somebody offends me. Now, I, at that point, the Spirit of God immediately gives me an option to yield that offense to the Lord and to begin with the words of my mouth to speak the truth over my soul. Lord, that is your child. He or she is blessed of you. We are in union together with you, Christ Jesus. So, Father, let me see them as you see them. Or, I replay it over and over and over again. Each time, adding in some different dialogue. Next time they say that, I'm going to say thus, that, and the other. And where do they get off talking to me about this when they do this, that, and the other? And I can remember last time, and you know what that, you know, how I, it just goes on and on and on, right? I mean, you got your own little soap opera going up there. That's what happens. But the reality of it is God's not in any of it. And you cannot separate the offense from the individual. You have condemned judge and jury the individual right then and there. And you know what? It's interesting to me. They don't even have to say anything to you for you to be offended at them. All they got to do is look in the wrong direction. If you're walking around with your flesh out on a stick, you can get offended by just about anything. The world's proven that, right? So the reality of it is that's idolatry. Why? Because my focus is on my flesh or their flesh. Either way, it's an image I'm bowing in front of. Now, we don't have to have a graven image. One definition that I've heard is anything we run to other than Christ when we're under pressure or pain. Find out who your God is in those cases, don't you? You're under a lot of stress. You're mulling it over in your mind. You go plop down in front of the TV. Who are you seeking for comfort at that point? You want to soothe your flesh. So, 
as you can see, that God, who made us exclusively for himself, has a rather broad definition of idolatry. But I want to set the record straight from the very beginning. Idolatry is a corruption of the soul and body. It is not a shift in who you are. Did you hear me? It is a corruption of the soul and body. It is not a shift in who you are. It is the fruit of rebellion and unbelief, and it starts in the soul, starts in the mind and in the emotions, and it's carried out by the will, and it manifests itself through and in the body. So, it is a shift. This is the truth of it. It is a shift in how you see God and how you see yourself. That's where idolatry begins. The enemies of God cannot change who you are, so they will work to change how you see God and then how you see yourself. Because, in effect, you can't do one without the other. You ever think about that? Now, if you have a negative personality, you're one of those glass-half-empty guys, and you're always facing who you are, you're always putting, down, putting yourself down, you're always talking about how you don't measure up, or how you can't, and this guy can, or well, you don't have what they have. You're going down that road, that's, that's idolatry. You're putting your identity in your flesh. You're putting your identity in what you can or cannot do. Your identity is not in Christ. And let me tell you something. You have a shepherd who has made you for himself and has ordered your steps. And you may refuse to walk in the truth, but you do not have to walk in deception You do not have to walk under the idea that you are the sum total of your own creation or the the oppression of others. Let me tell you something. I say this all the time. If you believe as a child of God that you are a victim, you are deceived. God's children, none of God's children are victims. They're victors. So you can see how idolatry begins to shift Because it begins to have you look at yourself differently than God looks at you. And once you begin to condemn yourself, you will believe that God condemns you. And the reason you condemn yourself is you've got standards that God doesn't have. You hold yourself up to a certain level and you try to meet that, which is an image in the flesh. And when you fall, you say, God is condemning. No, God didn't condemn you. There is now, therefore, what? That's right. Now, no. That's right. Now, no. Not next week. Not after you get the Bible memorized. But now. So you can see how it shifts. If you have trouble turning your face towards him and embracing the fullness of his love after you've fallen flat on your face... You have a wrong image of who God is. And if you think that you're not embraceable by God, you have a wrong image of who you are. Both are wrong. Both are idolatry. Think about it. Do you remember what Christ did on the cross? You know all that God did to put you in the position so that He could embrace you. Not just love you from afar, but literally join His life to you. All that He did to make that happen. Do you really think He's looking for a reason to separate? No. 
What he wants from you is to wake up and recognize who you are and who he is. Anything short of that is a demonic deception and it is idolatry. All right. If you live life according to who you are in Christ, then idolatry has no hold on you. But if you live life according to who you believe yourself to be in the flesh, idolatry is a way of life for you. Those who live to the vanity of their flesh live to an image. Don't kid yourself. If they lose that image, they've lost life because they have wrongly defined what is most valuable about them. Those who live to what they can accomplish in this world are idolaters. Those who live to their plans and their goals and their dreams and their expectations in this world are idolaters. Well, that sounds pretty harsh. I mean, we all have plans and dreams. They better be in Christ. Because here's the reality of it. If I esteem the things of this world higher than my Jesus, I'm already in idolatry. And you know what? When they fall away... I've just lost my prize. When I fail as a legalist, I lost my prize. When I can't exercise all the liberty that I want to, or that liberty begins to consume my flesh, I've lost my prize. You know what the prize is? Jesus. God looks at us and he says, I've given you the very best I as omnipotent God could create. Or could bestow upon you. Given you the very best I have. I've given you my son. I've given you his life. And will you look up at me and cry out and say, I have lost it all. When you lose the job. When you lose the, the relationship. When you lose the health. Is that when you're going to tell me you've lost it all? You haven't lost anything. Nothing. Compared to the God that is within you a priority. Well, Paul starts out by saying this. Listen, dearly loved friends. He says beloved, and that's an intimate term. Run. That is present tense imperative in that verse, which is to say, run for your life. He's talking about idolatry here. Run for your life. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. We just, we just blew up the whole definition of idolatry. And you're telling me to run from idolatry. It seems to me it's all around me. I don't know which direction. Oh, well, you know what he's saying? He's saying run and keep running. Run for your life. Don't stop. Don't look back. Don't stand and defend yourself. Don't argue. Don't reason. Run and keep running in the opposite direction. The idea is to be ever moving and living life in the opposite direction. You see, when the Bible speaks and when Paul speaks about running, you know, and when he uses that metaphor, he's not talking about literal running away. He is talking about a dynamic of living, a determination of living that says, this is not for me. This is not who I am. I will not endorse this. You know why Christians are trapped so often? 
I have people that come for counseling and they cry out, you know, I just see, I keep falling, I keep failing, I keep falling. And they, and they tell me how the Lord has not yet delivered them. But the reality of it is, they wouldn't want to be delivered. They're too busy flirting with the sin. They want to go right up to the line and occasionally step across and ask God to deliver them so they can step back over, get all cleaned up, put the new suit on, and walk back over to it. They're flirting with it. Let me tell you something. Idolatry begins in the heart. It begins with an acquiescence to believing that this flesh is who you are. And if you believe this flesh is who you are, then you are open to all of it. Why? What do you mean by that? I've said it before. Your new creation life, your spiritual being is not tempted by any of that. What is? When he says run, he's not saying step across the line. He is not saying step across the line and say, I will not cross. He is saying stay across the line and keep your focus in my direction. Live towards me. We talked about earlier in in Corinthians about how Paul talks about running for the race. Disciplining your life to run in pursuit of the goal. That doesn't mean we're going to get Jesus. That means that we are not going to stop pursuing his life in our daily living. And that's going to mean turning. Not staring at sin, wondering why we are so tempted by it. Not flirting with it. But literally turning our face from it. Renewing our mind with truth continually bringing our life in the context of who we are in Christ. Begin to shift the paradigm of how you live and say, that was not for me, that is not who I am, it does not suit me, it is sin made to punish anyone who will embrace it. I will not go there. And if we're really honest, we'll say, you know what, I've been down that road. How many times do I have to go down that road and get beat up to figure out it's not going to work for me? Am I so arrogant to think that I'm going to change that? Am I really? Or can I stop and recognize? He is talking about running in the opposite direction. He's talking about living in the opposite direction. Listen, Christian, you cannot stand in the flesh and resist sin. You can't. You cannot stand in the flesh. You cannot stand in the vision of who you are. I don't care how righteous you believe yourself to be. If that righteousness is based in your self-discipline, if it's based in your image of who you are in the flesh, you will fall flat on your face. It's the way it is. I can give a testimony. It's the truth. I want to tell you something. He tells us those who worship him will worship him in spirit, spirit, and in truth. Turning and going the other direction says, I will not worship out of my flesh. I will live out of who I am in Christ. And I will keep the truth ever before me. It will rule in my soul. You know, the soul is an indifferent thing. It's neutral. And it'll be preoccupied with whatever you cram in it. Right? 
So you don't want to deal with the consequences of idolatry? Change your focus. Live according to who you are in Christ. Live in the opposite direction. You say, now wait a minute. Didn't we just hear that we can, we can stand in any temptation? Didn't we just read that last week? No, that's not what we read. We read that we can walk in the victory of the Spirit, but we can walk the opposite direction. And in verse 12, he says, Therefore let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Why? Because you're standing in flesh. That's why you'll fall. You will always fall. Those who stand in flesh will fall. In the face of idolatry that seeks to establish itself in your soul, run. Run in the opposite direction. If we seek to battle the appetites of the flesh or the temptations of the flesh in the flesh, we will fail. And ultimately, we'll begin to see ourselves as the enemy. And that's what I hear in counseling and even I hear it it in my own voice at times. Well, I just can't. Well, the reason is I want this. The reason is I constantly desire this. I can't change. Let me give you a little update. You've been changed. You are a new creation in Christ. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.